Welcome to episode number 313 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's awesome episode of Destination Linux, we take the new KDE Plasma 5.27 for a spin. Then we talk about GNOME, kind of, sort of, almost bringing back app indicators, or something close to it. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. So this week in our community feedback, we're not going to have community feedback because I wanted to bring back a blast from the past. See, this is kind of going to be a Michael episode in a way. There's a lot of things here that revolve around Michael. So if you're mm-hmm. one of the three people who are a fan of Michael, what? this is the show for How you, dare you to listen Yay. to because, you know, it's KDE in there. And what we want to do is kind of bring back a blast from the past. What we used to do a long time ago, for those of you who are OG, have been listening to Destination Linux for a really long time, is we'd start with how's everyone been up to this week? How's everyone been? that type of stuff. We're not going to do the whole round table here. We're just going to focus on Michael this week, at least, and find out if there's anything cool, Linuxy, software-wise, something that the audience would find interesting that you've been up to that you want to share with our audience today, Michael. Yes. In fact, we've talked about Markdown on this show multiple times about how we're big fans of it. And in fact, that yeah. it's our favorite language to write no- documentation and mm-hmm. notes in. And we've discussed it on many different ways and different applications. And, uh, you know, but it, only, it really only is good as the program you're using it in, though. So what if I were to tell you that I found maybe the perfect solution? I'm a big fan of it. I've been using it Whoa. for a very long time. But it isn't exactly entirely open source. <gasps> <gasps> no, oh, Michael. my gosh. No. Okay. You are kicked off the show. Oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hear me out. Okay, so the tool is, right. is called Obsidian, and this is what makes it great. It it has open source plugins, so it's not. It does have open source All pieces, right. uh, mapping the notes and linking of different uh, notes to each other, and you can have a very customized organizational aspect to how you have your folders and files layout, and you could change them anytime you want because of the mapping system can auto update when you make changes to the links. It also works across many different types of platforms. Uh, I couldn't find one. It didn't really. And it, it works on mobile applications and also desktop and you know whatever OS you want typically. But Obsidian is also mainly the, a powerful and extensible knowledge base application. So it's not just a note-taking app. It's note-taking, but also very flexible customization. And the way it works is my favorite part because it uses local files and folders on your own devices. It's not only just Markdown files, there are other applications that use Markdown, but the way that they do it where when you save a file in your Obsidian, you're actually saving it directly to your computer as a Markdown file that you could go and browse through it on your regular file manager if you wanted to. And this also means that when you connect other devices to your Obsidian Sync Vault, it will allow you to create a backup essentially on every device that you connect to the sync. So effectively you have backups, no matter how, depending on how many devices you use, every single one of them has a copy of every file locally on the device. And also Obsidian supports revision history. So even if there's an issue that, you know, where the sync creates some kind of mismatching, it's still possible to go back and get whatever version from whichever device you want and it has the, sync, the revision history synced right in there too. So even if there is like an overwrite, you can still go back and get whatever it was. And I recently did that on my own systems just like two days ago when I was looking for something and all of a sudden it was gone. And then I'm like, oh, right, there's a revision history. And I just went back and got it all, no problem. Okay, and I, wait, right there. I've got to ask you a okay. question because you know I'm a standard notes junkie. I love standard notes. Yes. Nothing you're going to say is going to change the fact that I love standard notes. But that doesn't mean I'm not willing to cheat. And so... I want to. I want to know. Like one of the biggest issues I'm having right now is really the management of the sheer amount of notes I have. So I have hundreds, probably thousands of notes at this point mm-hmm. for show notes, for hardware addicts, destination Linux, DOS Geek Channel, 
random ideas I have, just all kind. Of, I keep everything in standard notes. That's my brain right now. Mm-hmm. Does this have anything that would make that easier? In standard notes, you've got kind of a tagging system. It's okay. It works some of the time, but I've also got tons of duplicates now from when I imported originally that I've got to deal with. And so right. some pieces have certain amount of information and another note that's named the same thing has an addition, different revision and there's nothing to merge them all. And so it's a lot of manual work. Is there anything in Obsidian that would help me with those tasks? In certain cases, you would have to do, based on like what you have now, there might be a little bit of a mess that you have to clean up at least a little bit. But Obsidian going forward would be able to handle some some of this stuff for you because my favorite thing about the Obsidian project is the local files. But my second favorite thing is the organizational value because you can do like an excessive amount of organization and you can change your organizational structure at any time and nothing will break. The tagging system will not break. The linking of the different app uh, notes inside of other notes will all be updated no matter what you move thing, however you move around. Let's say you have a particular project that you want to work on and you reference that in other notes a hundred times and you decide I want to rename that project and that means all of those all those links are going to be re- broken at that point because you're renaming it. But when you change the name, Obsidian will say, "Hey, you just rename you just named change this file name. Do you want to update all the links that are associated to this file name?" And then it will just do it. Oh, that's brilliant. And then once it does that, it automatically syncs it to all the other devices and everything gets updated all at once. Like it is so like convenient and easy to use in terms of however way you want to organize, you can make it happen. And if you decide you don't want to do it that way and you want to change it, you can also customize it extensively to as much as you want. And it will just kind of flow with whatever you want it to be. And I recently switched to using Obsidian for my to-do list and task system. And I've been using Obsidian for years as notes, but now I'm using it for almost everything related to notes, even tasks and task management and to-do list. And there's also plugins that enhance various different things. So you can install a plugin that will make your to-dos a more reliable way, or if you have like to do's that you're doing in like a daily note and you don't finish it, you can automatically roll those over with a plugin and keep consistent to do's available at any given day, no matter how you want to do it. And the flexibility of all the plugins is so extensive because there's even like plugins that I'll modify Obsidian to a point where it feels like a whole other functionality that they just built on top of it. It's so valuable to me that I think, I think people should check it out. I mean, one of the key things with standard notes is the plugin system and you have to of course have a pay for model, I believe to use a lot of the plugins and standard notes. Um, but this is a hundred percent free for personal use, no account or sign up required access to plugins and APIs included in the free piece where a lot of the open source plugins you mentioned are at. Most of the plugins are just community made and they're free to use. I will say that if you want to have the sync, there are two options. There's ability to use the sync service that they provide, which is I think $8 a month, something like that. And then there's the uh, self-hosted version of syncing where you could use SyncThing or NextCloud or whatever, because your files are stored locally on your device, you could manage the syncing yourself if you wanted to, to go to the freeway. But if you want to use their built-in one, I use their built-in service and it's been so convenient and I haven't had any issues with the syncing problems or anything. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I would recommend that if you, if you think that the price is reasonable to you, I would recommend definitely doing it. And also one more thing I wanted to mention is that at some times you might want to have a different, more powerful editor, like in my case, sublime text, because there's certain things in obsidian you can't do that you can do in other editors. And this is another reason why I like obsidian because you could just use a simple shortcut and then it will launch whatever note you're currently in, in your preferred editor. And you can use that editor right then save, do whatever you want nice. to do, save it. And it will automatically refresh inside of obsidian. Okay. That's, that might get me to move away from standard notes or uh, box.com. I've been using the box.com note system as well. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the $8 a month is the only thing that kind of is a little steep. And I know you can do it all yourself, which we're Linux mm-hmm. people. So we probably will anyways. But standard notes is like seven fifty. You know, this is oh, that fifty cents more. Fifty wow. cents more. <laughs> wow, we are in a time of mass <laughs> that is inflation. Horrible. Every fifty cent matters at this point. You know, 
it's it's crazy what things are costing these days. Have you checked the price of eggs, Michael? No. It's ludicrous. 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 <laughs> well, I think cent. Price. Do you see what I did? 50 cent ludicrous. I was able to <laughs> Come on, man. I need you to put if you were using uh, obsidian did, right now, it would have linked those thoughts. Yes, it would have linked it for me. Yes, I yeah, appreciate it. You You're welcome. <laughs> uh, that was a very good exhibit you just displayed. Nice. Well played. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. All right, so <laughs> another thing that I love is this episode is being brought to you by Linode. Linode is a fantastic service and there's so many great things, but right now just visit linode.com slash tux to get started. That's linode.com slash T-U-X. And you can see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides services and solutions to accelerate innovation, which means you can build everything yourself or use one-click apps from their plethora of options on the Linode's app marketplace to deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Obsidian. But, you could create obs your Obsidian server, your next cloud server to sync your Obsidian nodes you could, right here in you Linode. You could sync it with Linode. Yeah. Uh, Linode even has VPN-friendly virtual servers so you can create and secure connections over the internet, protecting you on like public Wi-Fi and that sort of stuff to keep your data private. It, if that, and if that wasn't enough, I mean, there's so many things. Obviously, we I, I'm already sold on Linode, but every plan, not, not just, you know, some every plan comes with human-powered customer support. That's right. So if you need help, someone will pick up the phone, respond to your email, or apply to you on social media 24-7, 365. So visit linode.com slash tux to create a free account. Plus, when you use that URL, you'll let them know that we sent you, which is, of course, good for us and good for you because you'll get a 60-day, $100 free credit when you sign up on that URL. So again, go get started on Linode's awesome cloud platform. We go to linode.com slash tux. And also, or just a reminder, if you, for those who aren't uh, listening to Pseudo Show, you should definitely check that out. There's a monthly challenge for Linode that you can help build your skills and confidence. And this month, there's a deploying a N8N, which is a powerful workflow automation tool challenge. So if you want to prove your skills with some free credit, you can do that right now on linode.com slash tux. This week's main topic we're going to talk about is something that people might be aware that I'm a little bit of a fan of. Just <laughs> a little. And that's oh KDE Plasma. Okay, fanboy, <laughs> whatever. KDE Plasma 5.27 has dropped with some, in their own words, massive improvements. And after testing it out, I can definitely agree they are massive improvements. And I am so excited to be using the next version of this version. I mean, because uh, it's not available on a lot of distros yet. You can, we'll tell you how to do it later in the show. But there's so much cool stuff. And that it feels like every single new version of KDE Plasma, there's always something to be excited about. But this one... I am super excited about many of these things. So Shut up, Michael. This is my <laughs> turn to shine. Aww. You know what? The tiling system in KDE. Okay, sure. That's what we have to talk about. For those who are wondering why it's his turn, he's a he's a big fan of tiling window managers I'm a huge for reference. Fan of tiling managers. And yeah. there are a few distros that do it right. A few desktop environments that do it right. Like i3, Budgie has an amazing innovative approach to it uh but this new kde implementation uh, is mm -hmm. dope like it is it's very so really <laughs> yeah. really well done how they implemented this and once you learn the key combinations to kind of execute these commands you could basically set up on your screen with this key combination it'll pop up a grid and allow you to choose where you want your windows to be organized. And then every mm -hmm. time you open a new window, it's going to move it into that pattern for you that you've set up automatically. So if you want two verticals and two horizontals, one horizontal at the top, four verticals on the bottom, however you want, you set that up initially. And then as you open your windows, it's all there. And then of course you just got the meta key and your arrow keys to move windows around to the various spots to the point where I was like, this is going to be really hard for me to come up with a reason of why I3 is better. And that hurts my soul. <laughs> and that hurts. Because I3, you know, <laughs> some of the other implementations of tiling, like I said, are amazing. But I3 with its shortcut system, if you learn it, is just, mm -hmm. it's Powerful. next level. But yeah. one of the things Michael's always been, one of the few things Michael's been correct about is it pretty but, much in Plasma, you can do anything eventually if you try to figure it out and spend enough time in the settings for eight years yeah. to do it. 
I'm this is sure. this is when they talk about massive improvements here. Mm-hmm. A lot of these improvements are about discoverability and making things easy to access. And this is Very a perfect important. example. It's a simple key combination. Yeah. It puts on a grid. You click a little GUI button to tell it, I want this horizontal, I want this vertical, and then boom, you've got your tiling system in place. It's next level good, man. Like yeah. this, this made me switch to KDE on my main machine this week. It was that. Oh, Woo-hoo! nice. It was there that. We go. I like, I couldn't get enough. I started this mission of testing this out in a VM, and I was like, I can't go back to GNOME or. XFCE. I have to spend more time with KDE. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to stay here. I'm just saying... Welcome to the KDE. <laughs> it made Welcome. me want to spend a lot more time there. So, sorry, I had to interrupt. You had a really good intro, Michael. Great yeah, job. Sure. But tiling is my jam. I am the i3 prodigy after all. So, now you can <laughs> go through the rest. I mean, that that's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. But also, I wanted to just kind of comment on the tiling system. I am a big fan of tiling, too. Uh, but there's also like certain levels of tiling that I think is like, you know, too much. This is a great combination of you have tiling, but you don't have to use it unless you like choose to do so. And I think that's the best way of, because it, it's more like tiling zones. So you create whatever zone you want to be the tiling setup, and then you can just move things in and out. And you could do the keyboard option. And also if you hold uh, the super key, and then use the left mouse button to drag it. You can then hit shift, and that will let you just put it wherever you want through the mouse. So if you're not, if you want to use it in the keyboard style or the mouse style, both options are available, which is fantastic. Plus, they can have the uh, lo- the layout system, which they're building on into this as well, and that's going to be just amazing when they get that done too, because it will allow you to be able to save different layouts and then load them up when you want to switch how you want to do the tiling, which is just very cool. Here's Ryan's tip of the week. If you're not using tiling yet, you've got to try it out and, and really spend some time with it because it's a next level game changer for productivity. It, it yeah. truly yeah. is. So cool. You don't realize until you start using a tiling manager how much time you spend wrangling windows. If you're doing programming, browsers, you've got chat up, you've got all these things, you're wrangling windows all of the time. And when you have a tiling manager set up that's intuitive and innovative, then you can easily be able to manage all those windows without them getting in your way. You're no longer wrangling windows. You're just getting where you need to get the work done. And I think a great intro to tiling is what Budgie system of tiling is because it's more of a GUI based. And so that mm-hmm. kind of gets you the concept of why tiling is so powerful. And then you can move into, of course, setting up your own shortcuts and that type of stuff. But tiling is amazing. It's just it's a, a really productive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also some other things that are happening in Plasma 5.27 is they've made some changes to the system settings. Uh, Actually, it's basically, it is a program called System Settings, and it allows you to customize pretty much everything inside your KDE Plasma setup. But they're also consolidating things and adding more features for like touch-enabled devices, like touchscreens and drawing tablets, and much more. And I'm a huge fan of the system settings. They, I've been I've been a huge fan of it because of the way that it's done, having everything all in one for years, and the effort you see with every every few releases where they enhance it even more and more. It's it's always great to see that sort of stuff. I take a little bit of issue with that. I know you like system settings because you've been using KDE forever and you're a fanboy. Are you saying are you saying I'm jaded to it or something? You're jaded. <laughs> you're a little okay. bit jaded here because. Like the system settings is a great concept, but KDE is so, there's so many options and there's so many ways that's, to get that, lost that is in the setting. That they're working on. But that's what I was going to say. Yeah, is that they're cleaning it up. This is one of the best implementations of their system settings ever. Absolutely. And that, that's the one thing I want to mention is like system settings is a great concept. I don't feel like KDE really ever pulled it off entirely where I think it should be. But this is the closest I've seen it mm-hmm. get to where things are starting to make a lot more sense where they're put. And there's a lot less of the sure. scrolling through 800 million different varieties of potential settings. I mean, they've they've lowered the amount of pages that you have to go through to do certain yeah. things, which is great. And I, I do agree that like I've gotten used to the point. So the saying jaded is a little bit true <laughs> where... I know where everything is and it's easy to use it and that sort of stuff. But there is, in certain cases, there are multiple tiers that you got to go through to find the configuration you want to change. 
and them putting effort into fixing that is fantastic. But another thing that I want to talk about that is one of my favorite things about KDE Plasma, I even included it in one of my videos about 17 things you didn't know about Plasma, is KRunner. KRunner is uh, such yay. a fantastic function. Basically, for those who don't know, it's a, it's a launch application launcher that is available at any time. You just hit a shortcut and it gives you access. By default, it's alt space. I personally change it, but if you that's what the default is, is alt change, alt space. And it allows you to launch applications, search for files from there. And this latest version of Plasma 5.27 has even more functionality, such as a full desktop search, unit and currency conversion rate conversions. They already had some of the con uh, currency exchange rate conversions, but this is more of like, it has support for more accurate stuff and also dic uh, dictionary definitions. Uh, the, it has calculator features. Like there, it's basically improving many, many more uh, values that you have. And you could just go into the system settings for KRunner and you'll see a huge list of all the things that it can do. And it is a lot of stuff. So if you have never used KRunner, I highly recommend trying it out. I had no idea uh -huh. that it had calculator features. I don't know if it had those before that's new, but I was just playing with it. It does. It's had it for a long time. You know, and it's just, it's kind of real. That's really convenient and cool. Yeah. And one of the things I like about KRunner is you can just start typing on your desktop. You don't even have to hit the alt space. Yeah. You're on a blank desktop, part of your desktop, and you just start typing. KRunner comes up and starts searching, which is very, very convenient. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think KRunner is one of the best search utilities on Linux. And I'm yeah. just so happy to see that it now has full desktop search now. And the new dictionary feature is awesome and it works great. Uh, just all you have to do is just type define and then the search term in the search box and it will come up with results in the menu underneath. And I did define extreme. <laughs> of course you did too. And, and not only did several definitions come up in the menu to the word extreme, but a notification came up saying that the definition for extreme has been copied to the clipboard. And oh, that's I nice. thought that was a really nice feature. I'm in press KDE. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And also for those who are wondering, like, what if I had other stuff in my clipboard already that I wanted? Well, don't worry because KDE has a built-in feature of clipboard yeah. management. So you yep. can have multiple clipboard entries all at the same time and you can cycle Whatever, through it. Whatever, Michael. Yeah. I can That's install, always been one of I can my install a third-party plugin to do yeah, that. Yeah, you could install, install something too. if you wanted to, but mm -hmm. KDE has it by default because of KDE's it. KDE's you know. had it by default for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just giving you more reasons it's getting to, hard to, to battle stay KDE, let me tell plasma. you. It I don't want to battle it anymore because it's just they're getting so darn good. Like. One thing I exactly. did recently is I actually installed, I was so impressed by it. I installed Plasma 5.27 by installing KDE Neon Testing Edition on one of my three iMacs I have for testing distros. And it ran beautifully. I'm just going to keep it on there. <laughs> it ran beautifully. Yep. Well, that's an interesting kind of segue. We'll get into some more things that are coming because there's a lot. And Michael yeah. will go on forever. So we kind of have to put that's a true. little bit of a dent in there. With it. But if you want to mm -hmm. check out the latest version, KDE Neon is the logical place, but KDE Neon is not exactly, not really, yeah, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. a distro. <laughs> so people shouldn't be really utilizing it, <laughs> even though they have a user edition that makes it look like it could be used. And some people do use it as a regular desktop environment. It's really, if you look in the frequently asked questions, it kind of contradicts that by saying, hey, that's not really what this is for. Because KDE Neon testing. is really to say, yeah. this is our developer's ability to look at the latest and greatest things running on top of Ubuntu going yeah. on in KDE only. So it's like Arch, but only for KDE. It's always yeah. on the edge, but only yeah. the KDE portions on the edge. And <laughs> so that's the advantage of using it and trying it. But Mike, it's well, for if developers I want to get testing and stuff like that, yeah. If I want to get the new KDE Plasma version on my Ubuntu install here, can I do it? The answer is no. Why not? Why is it not there? Wow. Because it was released less like a few days ago. Yeah. So if I was on <laughs> Arch, I'd have it. Boom. It would be done right now. <laughs> like, what is the problem? I even added backports in and it's still not there. Like, the what's the problem? takes a certain amount of time for testing to make sure it's good to go with the current so setup. It's freaking of lame. It's so lame. <laughs> It's, uh, no, it's not. It, that's ridiculous. You know, it, 
Ryan, it's okay for more testing to be done to make no, sure everything's good to go in I a particular distro. I tested I, it in I, a VM. It was perfect. What other testing do you need? <laughs> Come on, above you. Okay, so the, so the difference is, is that the one you tested in is a different distro than the one that you're using. And the reason why it's important is because, as you said, Neon is a testing slash development platform. Mm -hmm where they specifically state in their frequently asked questions, we only care about the KDE stack. That's a very important piece. So if everything else breaks, that doesn't matter because you're only jumping in there to play with the KDE stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's why it's okay for them to be so quick and other ones to take longer because they actually, the other ones, they care about those other things and they want to make sure it all works before they release it oh, to people. It just shows you, you know, <laughs> you may have been right about KDE being a superior desktop environment, but where you're wrong is Arch, baby. Because I would be in 5.27 right now if I wasn't sitting on stale old Ubuntu, I would already be there. <laughs> just saying. Okay. that's. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but you, did, you also have other issues. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> Shut up. You have to run it in a VM, Ryan. <laughs> Use boxes. Yeah, that's what I've been doing is playing with it in a VM, and I have enjoyed it. I really I enjoyed it so much I got KDE on my machine, even though it's not the 5.27 because Ubuntu doesn't have it in the back porch yet. But maybe they'll hear this and fix that. There's also panel trays and widgets <laughs> yeah. in there okay. that you can play with, which are kind of cool. New color picker options, more Wayland support than ever before. And lots of power user options, which one mm -hmm. of them, one of the reasons that I actually was like, I got to switch to KDE on my desktop is the multi-monitor support and specifically oh, yeah. the scaling support. Mm -hmm. Like this Yeah, it does me, 4K so well. There is no negotiation. If a desktop environment cannot scale correctly, if I only have a choice of 100, 200, and 400 or whatever stupid thing, and I have no in-between <laughs> unless I have to do some special magical incantation to get 125 or 150, I, I'm done with you. You're dead to me. But KD, Ryle the Box, I've got my scaling perfect yep. on my 4K monitors. My both my monitors worked immediately at the right uh, resolution that I needed them to be at, at the right hertz that I needed them to be at. It detected them both. It's just it's first class. And now the fact that they're doing more overhaul in there to make the arrangements even more robust and make sure your desktops don't get lost if you have multi monitors. You know that kind of happens sometimes, or it'll sometimes activate your desktop on this screen to log in or this screen to log in. That type right. of stuff are the things that they're working on kind of fixing and making, making it more sure the primary is detected sooner, like that sort yep. of stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, exactly. They're doing a lot of great stuff on the multi-monitor support. And like you mentioned, it has been one of the best for years. For years, yeah. And for those who are curious why scaling is important here is because if you have a 4K monitor and you don't have proper scaling, like for example, going from 100% to 200% is technically scaling, but no monitor does that. Like there's no like direct 200% and be actually like viable. So what typically you'd want is somewhere in between there. And some DEs offer 125, 150, and 175 as options, but that's also typically not the best option either. You want somewhere in between these different things. So you want fractional scaling. And true fractional scaling allows you to do like super specific things. For example, in Plasma, my setup for my 4K monitors is 165.8%. Uh -huh. And it works great. Wow. So that's interesting. That is oddly specific. I just want 125 or 150. I only need the 168.7.32 captain's log type thing that you're doing. <laughs> captain's there. log. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, one of our patrons mentioned that Fedora has 5.27 available right now. You know, you could just install a package in their back port and get that put right into your system. So there you go. That's an option. Fedora Arch. That's sorry. Know. I changed it recently. It's 168.75 is my current. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that star date? Yeah. yeah, star date. Yeah, exactly. I but Fedora having it is fantastic because as a person who's a big fan of Fedora, I will be able to use it faster than Ryan. <laughs> ah. Looks yep. like I'll be doing an Arch install this week. <laughs> no one will beat me. <laughs> So, I refuse to be last. Yes. So if you want to check this out, really, uh, when I say that this blew me away, when they talked about massive improvements, number one, when KDE says massive improvements, it's got, they're That's, really talking. They are making a strong yeah, statement. Yeah, because it's already like a massively complicated and complex desktop. 
So if you want to be on the cutting edge and join me in installing Arch this week, one of the first programs after you get Arch installed and all the other programs that you're going to have to install to have a working desktop, after you do all that with Arch, you're going to want to install Bitwarden. <laughs> Bitwarden. <laughs> this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. That's slash T-U-X. Memorize that. Make sure you go to your computer, type bitwarden.com slash T-U-X because that's how they know we sent you. And plus, you're going to get some amazing options there to sign up for a premium account, which give you things like a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, priority customer support for just $10 per year. However, we know the economy is kind of a mess right now. And if you need to, they also have a completely free option to protect all of your passwords there at Bitwarden. That's how awesome they are. They provide you the tools to store all your passwords in a secure vault, auto-generate those passwords and usernames for you, even automatically if you want to, so that you don't have to fill in all those annoying forms and you can access your data across all the different devices, whether it's web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, Android, iOS, even the command line you can use Bitwarden on. So join me right now by going to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started with the most amazing password manager. I want to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So the news this week, we also have a desktop environment. Michael has kind of this love triangle. He loves KDE, he's a huge fanboy, and he's also in love with GNOME at the same time. So we're going to talk about Am GNOME. <laughs> well... You might be now, Michael, because one mm. of the big things that we've talked about on this show that we're wanting GNOME team to kind of not die on this hill, and they seem to have taken the advice, not saying they took it from this show, but from everyone else who also Obviously wants this fixed, mm -hmm. um, they are going to bring back app indicators. Well, not really, kind of, sort of, in a way, and it's just a mock-up, and it's probably not going to happen, but it's not fully app indicator kind of thing, but it's better than what we had before, which was nothing. And you seem so you hopeful of this news. <laughs> yes, this is this is about hope. It's my happen, possibly, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know, Plus, it's a mock-up. Who knows? Jill, don't laugh with him. This is uh, not the time to be laughing. That's I, so funny. I've been trying to support GNOME on this show for a long time, and this is yeah. the one thing that you all can fire back at me and be 100% correct that's stupid. Basically, that anytime, have this. anytime you would say something about GNOME, I'll be like, app indicators. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. End of conversation. <laughs> Shut it down. Well, it's all about, about it. the change, Michael. Because uh, okay. Alan Day has released a mock-up on GitLab for an app indicator-like feature, mm -hmm. I'm air-quoting, where mm -hmm. users would be able to see apps running in the background from a menu in the top panel. And the idea seems to be picking up some steam as developer uh, George's Nito has exposed Flatpak's XDG desktop portal component, which will allow for detection of running Flatpak apps and those things. So while this still requires some clicks, because you have to go, it's not like it's in the menu bar. You have to like open up the, the panel on the right side mm -hmm. and then you'd look for the running apps in the background, at least would tell you, hey, you have apps running in the background like Discord or others that are running. You would know this. And so it's kind of like app indicators and it basically fixes all the problems and is why GNOME's the greatest desktop environment in the world. That you've recently switched away from. So Shut the up. app indicators system, <laughs> for those who are not aware, is more easily explained as the system tray. So if you are familiar with Windows, or if you're new from new to Linux, there's the system tray that's in the bottom right corner, or in, depending on whatever your configuration you want, you can move it in, uh, in some, some operating systems, where you have all of your applications that are currently running sitting there in that tray, and then you can interact with them having menus options and being able to quickly close them and that sort of stuff. And that's effectively what we're talking about when we say app indicators. And for some reason, Many years ago, GNOME decided that app indicators or system trays were not good. Yeah. No real reason was given except for some hilariously like mockable reasons. Like one time, one of them said that you're giving advertisement space to people, to applications for free. And I'm like, what? I installed it. It's I, Who is it advertising? Anyway... There's some there's some interesting responses that have been given for why they got rid of it. But many people in the community have requested that they bring them back for years now. 
And this is good to see that they're putting in some effort to bring back something like it because the biggest yeah. problem with not having these at the system trace slash app indicators inside of GNOME is that some applications require you to use those to close it. Like Steam, for example, when you close the window, <laughs> it's still running. Mega and Discord. NZ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's so many applications that are still running until you close them through the system tray. So true. Now, some applications will give you the option to choose to go to the system tray or not. But with GNOME, when you don't have a system tray, it can be a little bit problematic. So it is cool that they're putting in some effort, even if this is just a mock-up of an idea and that sort of stuff. It's great to see that they're putting in some effort to potentially fix this problem. However, after some research, I found out that... I told this... you to not research this. Just let me have this. <laughs> let me and the GNOME team have this, Michael. Okay, sorry about... Sorry, I apologize right. up, up front. But okay. So basically what I found out is that it's using a specific API for this functionality. So if an application like Steam or Discord or whatever doesn't implement this API, then this function won't work. So it, for the, and the biggest reason why this is important is because the reason why these app indicator missing things is a problem is because the dev developers aren't going to change the way they do their, their, their software because one DE decided they wanted to. And it's been 10 years and GNOME still has not realized that no matter what amount of like usage of install that GNOME has in the Linux market, which is pretty big, it's still not enough for them to care about removing an entire fundamental piece of functionality that people expect to be there. So they're going to keep it. So which is why SteamOS just accept it. chose KDE. <laughs> Which yes. is why SteamOS mm -hmm. properly chose Arch because those combination is the most superior combination of Linux that exists. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll so, give it to you for this one because you, you mentioned thank Plasma. You, thank <laughs> you. Give me something this episode, please. Come on. You know, I'll give like, it to like you, Like Steam's sure. going to sit there and rewrite their code to put your specific thing in there to show an app indicator. This is just dumb. Like I love the idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, thank you for not dying on this hill still, but please, like... Just stop. It, it's it's hard for us to say because yeah. we're not developers and we're not be able to say like I mean we're not great developers. Michael AI is is well I done. Mean, I right? did but, develop you know, that. There's there's the yeah, there's that. So, <laughs> but we're not going to say like we know better than you in that sense. But in terms of user experience, case, we yeah. are users who have lots of experience, and yeah. this is something that no one agrees with. Like any like users who. Like you see most distributions that run GNOME by default have this plugin set up where they have app indicators or a system tray. They ignore not your, having it your decision. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at this true. point, yeah. just I don't know why it's so hard for GNOME to be like, hey, we understand that the users want this, we'll provide it. I, I get it's like my, they want to be Apple so bad and remove features that people clearly want, but they have none of the pull of Apple. Like none of it. And so you can't do that if true. you're not the size of Apple. You can't go that's removing true. ports. You can't just remove the desktop from us, GNOME, because it's cleaner. Like, because you, you, you ain't Apple, you know? Like, yeah. sorry. I mean, just, I, even though I'm not a big fan of Apple, there's they do some cool stuff. And because of this, they've got to the point where they're, they're a big powerhouse and they have the pull to do whatever they want and people just have to accept it. But you know and, what Mac OS does have? As system tray, I think. As system yes. tray, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you know, there's some really good uh, GNOME extensions for a system tray out there. And those would be easy for the team to integrate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is plugins that the community yeah. created. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's something that they have to go out. They don't officially support. So if it breaks or anything happens, we're reliant on the person who develops that. And we know yeah. plugins break quite often in GNOME. It's not like and that it's also happen. important. It's also important to point out that the GNOME extension system, by default, is not easily accessible. So you, yeah. even though people say, <laughs> yeah, you could just add an extension for the system tray, sure, but you have to figure out how to use the extension system before you can even add an extension. Yeah. Like that is a problem. The fact that there is a special applications made like extension manager where you can mm -hmm. install this to be able to install other extensions. You should at least, if you're going to be promoting extensions to people, at least make it possible to install them. Well, 
We are happy to see there's a little bit of progress. Yeah. Even if it's minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just, gonna let just you to be know. clear. Shut up, Michael. No, I just to be clear, we're not haters on GNOME. GNOME does cool do does some cool stuff. I love GNOME. You guys yeah. know I talk about GNOME, how great it is all the time. Like it's this a is, very this clean is desktop this experience. This is a really problem. stupid thing they've done and they need to be called out on it. It's really dumb. They gotta fix it. Stop dying on this dumb hill, please. <laughs> All right, Jill, take yes. us into gaming, something positive. Yes. So our game this week is Helvetti. Helvetti is actually a character action game set in Gaelic Celtic mythology. And you have a choice of three characters and you use their gifts and powers bestowed by primal deities and show your mastery of oh, combat right. by pummeling, juggling, and slamming your enemies in a very gorgeous 2D presentation. And it is absolutely beautiful. I do, I, I love the look and feel of this game. This game describes itself as easy to learn, but hard to master the stylish action. Yeah. <laughs> it yes. is, it does take some time. I spent about an hour with it, but I started, I started getting the moves down. <laughs> Well, this reminds me of like Devil May Cry. If anybody has played Devil May Cry, which is an amazing series, like you not only want to take out your enemies, but you try to do it as stylishly and cool as possible. And like in Devil May Cry, you may have a sword and a gun. If you just sit there and shoot the boss with your gun, at the end of it, it gives you like a report card. And it's like, hey, your style was an F and you feel really bad and sad and you need to rethink your life. But if you do a combo where you're shooting and doing the sword and jumping around and bouncing, and you get yeah. your sword, it's all about style. And this game has that kind of combo style oh. system built in, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I on I love the sound design. It's it's freaking beautiful, and the graphics and even the transitions from scene to scene in the game is really nicely done. It's kind of a, a nice tear across the st- screen, but it's it's one you don't see often in games. So that that definitely stood out, and the movement and fighting mechanics to me were actually easy to master again after playing right. it a while. Jill, and- master martial <laughs> artist. <laughs> Yay. And it also plays actually really well with the keyboard and with the controller on the Steam Deck. Yes, it nice. runs beautifully on the Steam Deck. I've got a got a couple hours in the game on Steam Deck. <laughs> and Jill, the Steam Deck, it runs uh, what behind the scenes? Just curious. Is that art? Uh, arch? And plasma. <laughs> And, and plasma, plasma. Yes. and in fact, oh, in fact, with a five point two seven on the Steam Deck, you're going to be able to update uh, your software within the Software Center and discover. Nice, nice, yeah. Nice. <laughs> this game looks fantastic. I, I, I knew this one was going to catch your attention, Jill, because obviously yeah. this is up your alley. The artistic style, specifically, I thought it's was beautiful. just beautiful in the shots here. So it's got 19, 18, 19 positive reviews. It was just released on February 3rd. So if you're looking for something different to check out, this uh, Team Kawakawa, I think is yeah. how you pronounce it, Team, yeah. is the one who created this. It's just really cool looking. And it's only $14.99 on Steam and it's worth every penny and it supports our penguins out of the box. I love it. Nice. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it right. Mm-hmm. All right, our software spotlight is, I think it's Monophony. Could be monophony. <laughs> monophony. Mon- Probably. Pony. I, I think it's monophony. I want yeah. it to be monophony. Monophony. <laughs> no. Monophony's cute, yeah. You, you learn the term monophony in uh, music classes. <laughs> so. Okay, fine, go. it's that. Yeah. Monophony. Jill brings education <laughs> to this <laughs> this podcast. Uh, So last week we talked about internet radio apps. Today we're going to give you another option for music because music's really important. Music can calm the savage beast. Before we start the show, we make Michael listen to some music to calm him down because otherwise he's he's a rabid dog. He's so mean and vicious. The funny part is that we do actually listen to music for a little bit right before we start the show every time. That's true. And we introduce Ryan with awesome music. Oh yeah, that's right. The music's for me. Um, (laughs) So this allows you to stream music from YouTube for your musical needs. Uh, If you're like me and you're on your desktop and you want to hear some music, I'll generally shoot up YouTube, just open it up and put in one of those like programming listening sessions or some other music in there. Or if there's a specific song I want to listen to, it's very easy. Plus, it's like our MTV now. Like 
Yeah. You kids don't understand. Back in our day, when we'd get home from school, <laughs> yeah. we'd turn on the TV and have MTV because there was no YouTube. There was no place to watch the videos you want instantaneously. We had to wait for MTV to cycle through all the music videos to get to the cool one we want. And that was your way to experience it. Now, you spoiled little brats out there, got YouTube, and you can just watch <laughs> your little videos whenever you want. Sometimes. Back in my day. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. So sometimes you just want to hear the music, though. You don't not want to play music. You don't want to use the bandwidth for a video. It's too distracting, yeah. whatever. And that's where Monophony comes in because you can just simply type a song, artist, or album and start listening to it. It's just going to play the music portion of that. And you can also save items to your library. You can create your own playlist, uh, whether you're working out or doing uh, coding, whatever you want right there. And it's free because it's just using the availability of the music that's out there already on YouTube, nice. which is quite extensive. Yeah, it's just a, it's an awesome program, Ryan. I've been having fun playing with it with the last over the last week or so, and it is just so simple and easy to use. And the playlist function, you know, lets you easily arrange the tracks in the order you want. And I'm sure more features are coming soon because it's 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 a new piece of software. I installed it and used it in KDE Plasma 5.27 as background music while doing my show notes. Nice. Yeah. There you go. I was playing jamming to some Kraftwerk and some Tangerine Dream and Edgar Froiza <laughs> for those nice. I know. <laughs> nice. Jill has a sophisticated palette of music, unlike yeah. you, Michael, who listens to EDM, which is embarrassing. Those, those are mostly EDM bands, Ryan. Yeah, they're the ones who invented oh. what yeah, you would call it. Kraftwerk EDM. is basically the grandfathers of EDM. Yeah, oh, okay. they're the ones who started modern day. <laughs> Trans oh, yeah, you're like you just you just listen to this one thing that you know she's what? also talking yeah. about. You know what? <laughs> Shut up, Michael. You know what is really important though is that I'm wearing a janky shirt, and so the first thing you should plug into Monophony is Jankies. Yeah, Jankies albums here, and if you yes. don't know who Jankies is, just mm -hmm. just go there right now and check out his YouTube channel. You will yes. like it. You will love the music. <laughs> it will make Almost you happy. guaranteed. Hello, YouTubes. <laughs> All right. So the tip of the week this week is about monitoring your system resources. It's a very useful thing to do for troubleshooting memory leaks, system hardware issues, and problematic programs running in the background. It can also be some fun, such as when you're building a new setup that's completely overpowered like Ryan does, and then running the lightest desktop environment possible just because you can. Yeah, exactly. Just for the lulls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there are a lot of options to choose from. When We've covered many of them in previous episodes of the show, like HTOP or Glances or GNOME or KDE System Monitors and others. And this week, we're going to talk about one that we think you should check out for what your resources is and see if it's better to maybe make adjustments and that sort of stuff to improve your computing experience. And this thing we're talking about is BashTop. So BashTop has a really nice graphical interface that monitors memory, disks, internet speeds, CPU uh, processes, all in one uh, screen on a terminal. So you can use it on your terminal and have a really nice inter graphical interface that gives you all these different features. And it works across multiple operating systems like Linux, BSD, and even Mac. So check it out. Plus, it has an options menu to allow you to customize colors, yeah. text, all of this cool thing. So and if graphs, you get into BashTop and, the and you hit the escape key, it will pop up to give you an option to quit or go into options there and you can set all kinds of cool options. It's just, there's Very a nice. lot of great system monitors and I'm so thankful we have them and you could make mm -hmm. a case for any of these we mentioned, Glances, HTOP. Uh, BashTop yeah. is another one to check out. It's, it's very cool. I like what they're doing with it. <laughs> Even the very minimal top lets you customize it <laughs> and change colors. <laughs> I did that True. for years with top. A little, but, a little. <laughs> but um, I love BashTop. I've been, it's been kind of my go-to between HTOP and BashTop. I've been the two I go back and forth with. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so we also have a big event that we're going to be at, which is Scale. So if you want to meet the DL crew, we know you want to meet Jill, then join the 20th <laughs> Annual Southern California Jill. Linux mm -hmm. Expo, which will take place on March 9th through the 12th at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. Come hang out for the very best time of your life. And because you're a listener of time. this show, guess what? You have a promo code so you can get your ticket for like 50% off. Not yeah. like 50% off, for 50% actually off. Actually, 50% off, yes. You're yeah. going to use the keyword TUX, T-U-X, there as your promo code, and you're going to get 50% off. Also, Scale is still looking for volunteers, so you can fill out the Scale volunteer information form. 
We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And we had someone very special do an anonymous donation, which we want to thank them for on behalf of Tux Digital and Destination Linux Podcast to cover a small batch of tickets for students and those who've recently lost their jobs. So if your finances are tough and you need help with your scale tickets, DM or email info at SoCalLinuxExpo.org. The first <laughs> time I got it right because it's just Perfect. too close to social. That's S-O-C-A-L-L-I-N-U-X-E-X-P-O.org. And you can fill in the information there. Yeah, and something special I wanted to mention to everyone on Sunday at scale, there is an event called Open Source Career Day, which our friend Der Hans is organizing. OSCD will actually feature career consulting sessions, resume reviews, career guidance, and mock interviews, and a full day of talks on Sunday, March 12th at the Southern California Linux Expo. So make sure to join in for all of you out there who need jobs in the tech industry. Please or do just this. want to advance your career. That's one <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, this is amazing. Having resume reviews, that's something yeah. people pay thousands of dollars, hundreds yeah. in some cases, but also thousands of dollars, depending on your level, if you're doing executive resume or things, to have people do that and look at that and give you guidance on those. And then mock interviews. I mean, yeah. nobody likes the interview process. Mm-hmm. It's so uncomfortable. And so going through mock interviews can really help you nail that job because you're going to get over those nerves. You kind of already got somebody asking you those questions. You get an idea of the type of questions you're going to be asked. This is a really important networking opportunity Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. So if you come to scale, definitely take advantage of that if you're look for a new career or uh, advancing your current one. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can join us on tuxdigital.com slash discord where we have our entire crew there, even our who have special patron rooms. If you become a patron that are just exclusive to them, you can chat with other community members and even set up gaming sessions. You like some of the games we talk about here? You can set up gaming sessions with the community right there in discord. And if you want to watch the show live, become a patron and you can join us live on Sundays, usually at 1 p.m. Eastern is when we kick it off. And we also have our patron after show you could check out as well. Yes, exactly. So tuxedo.com slash contribute to become a patron of the show and the network because it's not just the show. You're getting a, a patronage to the network itself where all the other shows, you also get some bonus perks from there as well. And in addition to joining us live, there's also unedited versions of the show. So if you miss this live show, you can also check out the unedited version and see all the great uh, shenanigans that we get up to inside awesome. this the episode. And also, like Ryan said, you can join us in the patron-only post-show, which happens every week after the show, right after we're done recording. So go to tuxedo.com slash contribute to sign up. And also go right now to tuxedo.com slash store to pick up some really cool Tux Digital swag. We have Destination Linux shirts. We have the Linux 91 hat. Uh, we have 33% more Jill swag. So much cool stuff. Sinister T-shirts, Wendy. Sinister Wendy mm-hmm. stuff. Hoodies, mugs, stickers, hats, coasters, all sorts of stuff. Tuxedo.com slash store. And make sure to check out all our awesome shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. So everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all these awesome shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody... Have a wonderful week, and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Love you all. Most of you.